Let us pray. Oh, Lord, you have a better way for us. You have a different way for us. You have a new way for us to be. Open our hearts to what it is that you have in this passage today. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Paul actually used this phrase when we were pagan. Ken just read it from 1 Corinthians. What is a pagan? It's pre-Christian and it's non-Christian and it's a belief that actually remains with us. It has to do with what and how we worship, but it has very little to do with God. It existed before monotheism and it's alive and well today. When my brother and his family lived in Woods Hole, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and my parents were there for several years to, there too, there was a huge pagan community. And they called themselves pagan, and they were proud to be pagan, and they celebrated the solstice and worshiped nature, and it was as old and ancient as the hills. But if you look in Roger's Thesaurus and look for a synonym, a synonym for pagan is heathen. It's nature-centric. It's egocentric. It has the elements of being heathen. And Christ came to bring in the new and to point us away from ourselves toward God. And he equipped us and is equipping us to live life fully beyond immediate gratification, which is one of the hallmarks of heathenism. In fact, as believers, we're actually shown that we cannot fully embrace the present unless we know something crucial, unless we have in our hearts a promise, unless we hold on with everything we've got to the fact that with Christ, the best is yet to come. He makes everything new. He shows us his glory so we can actually participate in the glory. And he promises a new best. We all think we know what the very best is. We've had the best experiences in our life. And we've seen what is best. We don't have a clue. We haven't experienced best yet. I was watching TV when one of the lottery winners was there with the family, and this wasn't the recent big one. It was quite a while ago, and they were all standing around. And the lady said, this is the best thing that has ever happened to us. This is the best day of our lives. And their kids are standing there thinking, you know, they were the best things that happened, right? God is the best thing that happened. But no, with that's a pagan tendency. But we all have pagan tendencies. And he doesn't stop loving us because we have these pagan tendencies. And his first miracle illustrates this beautifully. Ancient Jewish weddings were a synchronization of pagan and the sacred. And they lasted for days, these weddings. And it was a full-out party. And it was an opportunity for the host to extend hospitality. It was a sacred duty. 
and intertwined with excessive paganism is this love that is generated and is, has abundance of peace and joy and love. So it's all kind of mixed in and interrelated together. But the difference between excess and abundance is important in our understanding of paganism as opposed to faith in God. From John 2, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to this wedding. And when the wedding was, go was gone, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said, they have no more wine. There was shame attached to running out of something. It was considered poor hospitality. And ordinary people did not consume wine regularly. What was available was weak and it was used for medicinal purposes. Good wine, drinkable wine, was enjoyed at feasts, at celebrations, at weddings. And because the wine was gone, Jesus' mother was concerned. They have no more wine, she said. And Jesus' response to her is kind of startling. He says, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. But his response was not rude and it was not uncaring. That could be translated to, does this really have anything to do with me? He asked the question so we would know that yes, everything, everything has to do with him. And as the next part of the account reveals, her concerns are his concerns. How present Christ is in the living out of our lives. And when we go to him, he listens. And he will somehow honor our requests. And the miracle about to be revealed occurred because Mary came to him. We do influence outcomes when in the Holy Spirit we come to Christ. We are not merely puppets in some grand plan. Through Christ we have been given status and we matter to God. The first miracle took place because Mary came to Jesus for help. Do whatever he tells you, he told the servants. And nearby were six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. And each held 15 to 25 gallons of water. And when we do the math, that means that potentially there was 150 gallons of water. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And that's a sermon into itself that abundant language. He will if we are willing, and if we tell him we are open and desirous, fill us to the brim with his Holy Spirit. We're just scared to do it. He will fill us to the brim if that is what we want. So they filled them to the brim. Now draw some out and take it to the master at the banquet, they were told, and Jesus is about to make everything new. This is what he does. And it will be a new party. And he's about to usher in abundance and mercy. And by serving the best last, he is making a covert statement that the best is yet to come. And he turns it all upside down and recreates 
and the master of the party tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he didn't know where it came from, but the servants knew. Jesus took a dire situation and infused it with abundance. Then the master of the party drew the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the good wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests had too much to drink. What a perfectly pagan experience and description. What starts out as good becomes dissipated and anything goes. Good wine and bad wine. Think about for a minute good chocolate and bad chocolate. This is something I can relate to. If we have an off-brand of cheap, junky chocolate that you find in certain sections of the grocery store. No, how, no matter how much you eat, it doesn't really satisfy and it makes you kind of sick. Then if you had a box of Bomboys, I used to say Fannie Mae's when I was lived in Chicago and C's when I was in California, but I think Bomboys is better than all of that. You can eat a piece and it satisfies because it is of such high quality and it has the capacity to satisfy. Now, sometimes I eat more of a piece of Bomboys, to be honest here, but you know what I'm getting at, quality of experience and the very, very best. The best is yet to come, but here's something else to know. The best is already here. A quality of existence in Christ is possible. When people far, wander far away from Christ, if they once knew him, they will return because nothing else compares. The quality of abundant life in Christ, there is nothing else like it. The past week was very, very hard. Besides the unexpected deaths that I know that you know about because of the prayer concerns, there were all-consuming challenges in the life of our dear people, in some of our families. And we had a joyful thing, a wedding, thank God, yesterday. But man, was it a difficult week. It was like three months of ministry was compressed into one week. And I would like to take a moment to thank Jim Riddle. Thank you, Jim. He helped so much and actually did one of the funerals for our dear family. So I sat and I prayed and I sat exactly where Joe is sitting right now in this sanctuary, begging God for help. And it happened again, like it had happened so many times before that joy is not contingent on circumstances. That's the biggest proof of the existence of Christ. When you are feeling hopeless and overwhelmed, he can bring in his spirit and elevate us to a point where it makes no sense to the world. And I came in despair and left walking on air because the reality of the Spirit of God is here. Knowing joy in the midst of despair, it doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world, but it's our biggest witness to the reality of Christ. 
and he helps us with this. And in many ways, the sacraments are a way that he helps us with this because he allows for the highest quality of experience. We are going to baptize a baby today, and that is something because those parents are giving that child to God, saying, I don't own this kid. This child isn't part of me. I have the privilege to raise this child, but I have given it, this wonderful baby, to God. That is quality of experience found only in Christ. And in communion, feeding on him, rather than what the world offers, is nourishment found only in Christ. So the wedding miracle at Cana was the first of his miraculous signs, and Jesus makes all things new through the abundance of his love, and he revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him, and they gave him everything, and he makes everything new with abundance and mercy. The best is yet to come, that is his promise, and the best is here, that is his reality. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us if we get too caught up in the things of this world, when the truth is, it is through our deep and powerful connection with you that we can actually see the world. Help us to see the world as you see it, with your love, with your compassion, with an understanding that the best is yet to come. We thank you, dear Lord, for what you have done in Christ Jesus. Amen.